Welcome to Adventures in Business. This is a show where we have thought-provoking conversations with founders, CEOs, and business leaders of various industries to learn about their stumps, falls, trials, tribulations, and successes on how they manage the current business environment. Join our hosts, Mandy Graziano and Amani Roberts, as we chat with our next guest. Welcome to June. We're here in June, another fun live episode we've got in tune for all of our viewers and listeners. Mandy, happy June. How was your weekend? Happy June. My weekend. <laughs> yes. You know, Amani, I all I did all weekend was chase the strawberry full moon. I was oh. I was on the hunt to be able to see it. And Friday was clear, but it wasn't the full moon yet. We still had like one more day of waxing. But it was so cloudy here, Saturday, Sunday, and I didn't get to see it. But it was awesome because it was great to be in nature, great to spend time with my husband and my pop. And we literally, I felt like we were, um, you know how they have tornado chasers? <laughs> I felt, yes, like, yes, I yes. felt yes. like we were full moon chasers, but it was a great weekend. What about yeah, you? Hello. What'd you do? What did I do? Well, first of all, hello, Dean. We see you in the chat there. Thank you for joining in. If you're joining us live, make sure you leave us a comment so we can shout you out. This weekend... I mean I was um, doing some stuff around the house, like, because the construction is done. So I have to try to add in these lights, whatever, that are like, they turn on when it gets dusk outside and turn off when it gets light. So I was working on that. I was doing some writing. You know, my big project this summer is is trying to get through most of this book that I'm writing. So I was doing that, um, prepping for my trip. So that was it. It was a pretty chill weekend in terms of events or going out, but I was handling stuff, you know, just running lots of errands. When do you want your book to be done or when do you want it to come out? I haven't asked you this yet. I would love to have the final draft written by like, not final draft, the first draft finished by like Halloween timeframe, you know, like preferably into the summer, but that's, it's a lot. And what I'm finding is that it might actually turn into two books because there's so much information and, you know, our attention span, we don't really like these big, thick books anymore. No. Micro books are must. Yeah. It is. It is. So it might turn into two. So by Halloween, if I could have everything done by Halloween, that would be amazing. So that's kind of, that's the goal. You can dress as a two-time author for Halloween. <laughs> yes, I could. <laughs> so that would be amazing. Amazing. Someone else in the chat said audiobooks. So we have to see who that is. We see you audiobooks. Um, okay. Our guest today. So we're going to welcome Tess to our virtual stage. And Tess is extremely knowledgeable about all things tech about all things event technology, in addition to being very experienced in the meetings and events space. One of, so I first met Tess, we were in Indianapolis, I wanna say. We we're in Indianapolis for WEC, I think it was 2017. We were there at like a, a Black Event Planners, it was a dinner, it was a dinner. Tess was there and she was just continuing to share knowledge after knowledge. And then we were able to get her to come to WeCon, you know, our favorite WeCon. She came to WeCon Santa Barbara, like three oh. weeks before the pandemic hit. And we had like a, um, it was like a section where people could go and learn about LinkedIn and all sorts of things. And it was one of the most popular areas of the whole conference. So that's kind of a quick little snippet onto Tess. We'll, and we'll get her to the virtual stage and give her a round of applause for being here. So welcome, Tess. Welcome, Tess. It's so nice oh. to meet you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, that was a nice intro. Thank you, Amani. It was 2017. I can't believe it. Yes, and you yes. know what? You're right. It was right before the pandemic. Because, yeah, mm-hmm. yes. I have stories yes. about that. But, yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. So we're here, our show, Adventures in Business. We want to learn about you, about your kind of thoughts on what's going on in technology and event technology. Manny has tons of questions for you. She always brings the good, good questions. My question for you is, is um, what has been since you, because you started to kind of get into live streaming and doing a lot of live programming, both on site and from your home studio, what have been maybe two or three things you've learned about live streaming since when you first started back in like April, 2020, right? It was like April, 2020. Well, it was, you know, it was years before that, but yes, okay. in, yes. In, in, right. in, in, in COVID years, you can, you can say it, but yeah, years before yes. that, but yes. <laughs> yeah. So tell us what is like, what have you learned? What did you learn during that specific time period? And then we'll let our conversation flow from there. I think some of the, thank you so much, Amani. I think some of the biggest things that I learned is having to educate moment by moment, those who are on with you. You know, it's that concept of people don't read, people don't listen, and people don't realize that live is live and not Memorex. So, <laughs> and then they're not, and, and trying to make them comfortable with it, you know, along with the angst that was going on. So I think it was really more of a need for uh, kind of a role that I tried to create Um which is more of a virtual concierge, just someone who can kind of really be there to kind of handhold people, make them feel comfortable, relaxed, and be able to, to do what needs to be done. And I think and another thing that I learned the most is that tech companies, you can push them to iterate fast as long as the demand is there. So the technology that was available long before COVID hit us, um, was nice. It worked. It worked in a lot of different industries for a number of years. But on our space, on the event tech side, you know, it wasn't necessarily there. It was there a little bit, but not as much as we needed to. But the fact that we can push them and say, hey, the demand is here, we need it. And the technology just got much better. So I think those are the, the biggest things. Got it. Manny, what's your first question for Tess? I know you got a nice list there. Talk to us. I do. I do. I just, I want to, I want to build on your event uh, concierge technology concierge piece, because I think in all of those events, that was the biggest thing. It wasn't what does your tech work or not. It's the user error, user experience. So I think that is a good takeaway. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it in that way, but yeah, handholding is important and, and making, you know, technology can make people feel dumb sometimes. And that the last thing you want to do is make somebody feel like that. So I think, um, uh, anyways, I appreciate you bringing that up, but I, I do have a question about venues because I want to go back to, I think you were, you worked at the Atlanta Technical College. Am I, am I remembering this right? Yes, yes, yes. And, and you ran that venue mm -hmm. and I've run venues before and my, I got my chops. Like I learned every entrepreneurial thing I ever could know about working at a venue. So I want to ask you, like, what are some of those entrepreneurial things that you learned from working at Atlanta Technical College, running that venue, some things that you learned that you still use today in your daily life? And that, and then second part of the question is what advice do you have from running venues? What advice do you have for people that run venues in hotels right now? 
Oh my goodness. I am so excited that you asked me that question because you know, <laughs> no one digs that back deep in your bio to give you that much insight. And I really appreciate you for that. Oh, um, for I appreciate you. I go deep yeah. fast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, for a couple of reasons, as you'll see as my answer. Um, so running the venue, it was all about entrepreneurship. It was nothing more than, it was nothing short of that. Um, number one, my venue was under economic development. So if you know anything about what economic development means for communities, um, it's a sense of empowerment, right? And it was a sense of what we had to do. Now, even though we, I was in a situation where I didn't necessarily have to turn a profit, I had to break even, if you will, right? I need to make sure all bills were paid and everything was done. It was nice to make a profit, but I still had to make sure certain things were in order. So from hiring staff, right? Um, quality staff was challenging mm -hmm. because I was at a state school, budgets at state schools, Amani knows this, right? School <laughs> budgets are very different. I come from academia, very different. I come from a private school. I've worked private and public, right? So the budgets are very low. So what do you do? How do you squeeze that blood out of that tomato? So learning how to work with budgets and forecasting, but then also making sure that you have quality, like I said, employees. So that had to do with training, right? And development and um, showing them, creating a way for them to have standard operating procedures to follow that brought them to a certain level. So that's one aspect of it. Then on the other side is, you know, I've always been an advocate of streamlining processes and technology and things of that nature. Well, that took budget too. So what I had to do is learn how to negotiate very well, right? Mm. You know, as it, from that's all the things that entrepreneurs have to do to um, get the price point down where normally people would, at least my predecessors would never have been able to get the type of technology that I did, but I just had to build relationships and see what that was like and test things out and be beta testers for things and take risks and then negotiate internally and externally with the CFO, right? As well as my boss, who was the vice president of economic development. Now that brings to be, you know, brings to mind that um, he actually um, was my favorite boss. He was the mm -hmm. best person who ever taught me anything um, around giving me the liberty to, you have all these pie in the sky ideas and creative, well, how are we going to really bring it into this, this structure right here? I had to go to him and negotiate. And as long as I could prove my work, approve or pitch him, right? which everyone's talking about now, pitching um, and prove to him that I could do it, he would allow me that leeway to be able to do it. And that built, built the trust to be able to do, to do the things that I can do. And it's been maybe two weeks now that he actually recently transitioned. So it means a lot to me that I uh, haven't even striking out on my own for the second go around. That was my very last job <laughs> uh, in a corporate sector and world. And to have that type of experience in, you know, within a structure of, of a framework, but also function from an entrepreneurial perspective was huge. So if I give any advice to those who work in that situation, building relationships is very key with all departments that you're in, because you never know who you need at any point in time. Also working with organizations that are similar to yours, associations, because I joined an association, which was ASTOD, the Association of Conference and, Co and Collegiate Event Directors International, which is an international organization that mm -hmm. did what I did. Mm -hmm. I used their data to approve what I was trying to do to get mm. approvals for what I was doing. So there's all kinds of things that you can do, not just as a regular venue manager, right? You need to think 
from a business perspective, how you're going to run your business. So thank you so much for asking that question. Well, you're welcome. I love that info. I just have a quick follow-up to it because you said something I hadn't thought about is I imagine with the funding that you didn't have and with it just being a venue in general that you had to be super scrappy and you just kind of had to get really creative with how you got the funding and everything. So is there a story or an example that you can hearken back to, to be like, I can't believe I did it, but I did it like a success story of like the scrappiness that came from it or the creativity that resulted in that experience. Yeah. I had several of them. Um, Oh, oh, and, 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 and one, tell us, um, tell us everything. <laughs> one uh, kind of has to do with everything that we do now. So, like I said, I joined a side and it, it was kind of like, I found my people, right? So you, I have MPI, I had PCMA, I had all of these different organizations, but this one dealt with people who are in academia, who were working in environments like mine, right? Events across the world. So they had data that proved um, what the value of the roles were at the colleges and it needed to be and venues, colleges and venues, right? They also had the data to substantiate what those roles were, what the job descriptions were, how much the average pay for our industry should be, right? And at the time, I really didn't have the money to hire anyone, but as a result of taking their data, putting it together with my report to prove what I want, I was able to hire, I think it did, I did two initially, but eventually throughout time, I at least had four, four employees at some point. Part-time, wow. I had to wow. settle with part-time, but at least I could rotate schedules. I could kind of try to make things lean and mean, um, work with students and do some other things. So I actually was able to move my department and, and structure it very differently um, because of that data and what actually, you know, came. So membership does have its, uh, its benefits. In addition, same sort of um, situation, I was able to prove the worth of the event technology at the time. So I could actually go out and start looking at RFPs of, of technology that would actually help. And I was able to bring on several different vendors at that time. So I think that those were very huge success stories because things I would not have been able to do right, without it. And a great reminder to even if you're not running an event, just whatever you're doing in your business, whatever sector you're in, there are so many resources that provide data points that help you build your case, yes. your business case. I think yes. I thank you so much for that reminder for anybody out there listening. Like, remember your resource, your trade memberships. There's, you know, there's a reason to pay your membership and there's so yeah. much data available to you to help you get your job done. So I exactly. Think Not really just networking advice. and cocktail parties. Yes. 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 <laughs> Although those are nice too. Yes. Yeah, those are nice too. <laughs> right. Now, if we kind of fast forward a bit to today, we would be remiss if we were didn't have a discussion about AI and what mm -hmm. do you think its impact on events will be, the event industry, and what are some ways you're currently using it within your job? Oh, wow. All the buzzwords, right? All the things. <laughs> well, we have to cover that. Otherwise, you know, we, we, people... It's like, why are we here? Yeah. Um, so... so um, so people probably are not going to like the things that I say about it, but it's okay because I'm always that one. I'm always outliner, outlier. So I've always been a proponent of technology, uh, period, in terms of advancing our future. That's just what it is. And also from a fundamental standpoint of uting, utilizing technology as a tool, not a crutch. Always. 
um, and also looking at technology as a way in which we can um, have it do mundane tasks so that we can use our brains on a higher level as we were built and designed to do as human beings. So those are my basic fundamentals for tech, right? So if we, we move along to event technology, same concepts of things, right? So if, we're, if we were talking, let's say about a hybrid event technology that would help us do live and uh, virtual experiences, right? It's not to say that I need to replace my entire staff, right? In order to do so, and I need to diminish that. No, I need to give them tasks that make sense for them to do, to strategize, right? Strategic thinking, critical thinking, those types of things, and then let the technology handle other aspects of it. So when it comes to AI, I don't think about it any differently than that. It is mm. extremely powerful. Um, mm -hmm. It's something that I, I know that we need in order to push through to the next level. Um, and when I say the next level, I think, uh, let me pause for a second and share that there's been studies out there that have said, and I was so excited that it came not too long ago, that our entire world has moved forward five years. So what does that mean with a five-year cycle? With COVID hitting, we jumped five years. So tech has to continue to move and push and push us to where we need to be. Is it going to be dangerous? Can it be dangerous? Of course, but all kinds of things can be dangerous. Will it replace jobs? I think it can in certain levels, but it doesn't mean it's going to completely change, again, that critical thinking, that strategy, the higher level of thought process that humans can put to, to tasks and processes and procedures and moving our environment forward. So what is it going to do for event events? Oh, I think it, it's not what is it going to do, what it had, what has it done? We've seen bots at event technology all the time. 24 Chat has been out there for a long time. There's tons of them that's been doing and utilizing artificial intelligence throughout time. And it's just kind of been peppered in what we do. But I think what we have to do as event strategists is think about ways in which we can program, because it's, it's machine learning, program the artificial intelligence tool that we're going to utilize for our benefit and to, again, remove some of the mundane tasks, learn how to slowly feed and educate our audiences, as well as internal stakeholders to get the results that we need. It should be a part of the tool belt not to replace. So, yeah, and sorry, I know that was long-winded, no, but it's very it good. Awesome. Like I'm just chewing on all the food. It is so <laughs> good. I mean, I, you know, I, I know there's um, some planners that I work with that have recently used chat GPT to write sessions, um, session title, session descriptions. They know what the title is, but they're using them to write session descriptions. Can you give a couple examples of how you've seen people use AI for their events? A couple specific examples like, you know, using it to write a session description or, you know, what else have you seen that's worked for you that that might disarm it for those people that are listening that are like, I'm so scared to use oh, it. Yeah. And you're sharing uh, something they might need. Oh, yeah. Session descriptions, I think, are wonderful. Um, I think speakers have used it to help. Um, lay out their already their outline and kind of drill down to possibilities of what can be done activities that can be icebreakers that can come up um, and and be used without within the sessions I think from an engagement standpoint you know I think of it as um, jarring your memory or triggering thoughts 
for you or helping you augment what's there. Like, you know, how you will sit here and say to yourself, you know what, what should this agenda look like? What should be first, second, and third? Um, all of those questions that we as planners used to sit back on with a piece of paper and write out how we want things um, and drill it out. And then we'd move that to an Excel document, Lord. Let's blow up the cell. But anyway, Excel document and put in how we want to uh, plan things out, throw ideas to it so it gives it back. And then you can say, oh, okay, well, let me put this puzzle together. And this looks differently because I had idea, I kind of was going this direction. I thought about it and let me think about it again. So to me, I think it should, again, should be in our tool belt to help us along the planning way. So I think session descriptions are good, planning things out. Um, but most importantly, I think people should just jump in and use it. Agree, yeah, definitely. Now, if we kind of, we've talked about AI, I think you're also extremely knowledgeable about LinkedIn. So I first want to ask you, um, why do you laugh? What's so funny? Aww. It makes it just it brings me joy. Aww. Okay, well, yeah. We, yeah. Like, we yeah. love having joy. On this, <laughs> yeah. on this I, I blush a little bit in different ways. Okay, Aww. blushing is good. Blushing is good. Yes, yes. In terms of LinkedIn. I first want to ask you, what are some tips you think people miss, but also what are some new things you've learned about, like, you could say LinkedIn or other platforms that we might not be considering that we should definitely pay attention to? So two-part question. Um, so first of all, I love, you know, I adore, adore LinkedIn and what it has done for business. Um, I think what people are not drilling into is the power of being a creator and utilizing it as a destination to tell their story. And then they should be telling their story within their LinkedIn personal profile around, you know, just kind of your entire career path, right? Should be documented and highlighted there. And then that way you can express it any way you want to. You can do it visually with the with the features tab, you can actually create, um, you can you, you can put your posts and features so that it is visually pleasing for people and people can kind of scroll through and visually see some of the posts that you've done. If you have creator mode on, which hope a good bit of you should turn on creator mode, yes. you can do LinkedIn Live. That's the only way that we're able to do LinkedIn Live now. We can do audio events in there. But I think something that's underused is writing an article in LinkedIn. Hmm. And lots of people have written blog posts before and posted on their website, or they've written a long post in Instagram, which Instagram is blogging to a blog, blogging tool, right, technically. But they don't repurpose that content enough, or they don't use it to create. You could create drafts in there. You could do highlights of content. You could be at a live event. And I think planners don't utilize it enough to push people to create and do takeaways from their conference um, within that particular blog, because you can do pictures, videos, and everything when you're writing an article right there on LinkedIn. And that can be repurposed and sent out to people. So there's tons of tools. I could probably sit here forever and answer that question. But those are some of the things I think people should really uh, key in on. 
And separate, and the two things is also separating your personal profile voice, because we're talking about business right now. Everyone should have a business page if they're in business. And the voice that comes from that business page needs to be the business's voice, not the same voices on their personal page. So they should be separate. Interesting. Okay. Go ahead, Mandy. Yeah. Well, I think you're onto something. You know, any LinkedIn post of mine that's ever had any traction is a, a day one wrap up of XYZ conference with six or seven, the max amount of pictures and four or five key bullet point takeaways. And and that's content that people enjoy, right? And I think I do I agree with you. Like what world do we live in? Like, can we imagine a world where if even 30% of the attendees that went to a conference every day took three minutes to do just a quick LinkedIn wrap up with a couple of pictures. Yep. And then they yep. use the conference hashtag or tag the conference organizer. Easy. Like, easy, easy, right? And then just easy. share, share, share. Yeah, that's, I appreciate yes, you bringing that up. It's such a good reminder. And, and I've never seen a marketing team or a plan, a planner of any sort for a conference encourage their attendees to do that. Now, you know, I work with the Dahlia Plus team all the time. You know that, Amani. And we're out there doing these LinkedIn corners and, and tech bars for years. I've never, ever seen that. We've coached people to do things all different types of ways, but they don't make it as a part of the strategy. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Time to make the change. Yeah. Time to make yeah. the change. Starts for here. Sure. Let's all do it. Amani, yeah. you're going to MPI. You're going to WEC. Yes, I will. Gonna, we'll we'll definitely promote that and, and get people to do that. That's easy. Let's see who does it. Let's let's put a challenge out there and see who does it. Yes, do a challenge. <laughs> Tell me what the hashtag is so I can follow. Oh, okay. fun. That's okay. fun. In terms of general technology, I'm curious. To, I always would love to tap into knowledge to see what are you looking at? Because we have these apps. You, you say we accelerate like five years, which is true. Five years ago, I had no clue what Discord was. Now I use it multiple hours a day. You know, five years ago, I maybe had dabbled a little bit into Slack, but not as much as like now. You know, Canva, that's another one that kind of just came out of nowhere, like five years, you know, I'm thinking, what are you looking at that you think is going to really hit the mainstream in the next year or two that you want to tell us about? Oh, wow. That's a <laughs> tough one. That's a really tough one because there's difference between what I look at for the, the greater industry or our industry. <laughs> you know, our industry, we're slow to adapt. Yes, um, we are slow. <laughs> but we're better. I have to give us compliments. We are so much better. COVID did us justice, right? Mm -hmm. It did us huge justice and moved us um, forward. I don't, uh, and, and to be honest with you, um, Amani, I would say for our industry, I don't want to mention other apps like that. I want to mention more uses of what is already in place. Okay. okay. Right. Almost similar to, like I said, with LinkedIn as a strategy, right? Because I mentioned that because my love and my heart is always Twitter for live events, which is never going to go away. It's still going to always be the best platform. People can have their opinions on this, that, and the other around it. That's great, but it's just, it's built for that and it's going to do well. So what, other strategy you're going to do to kind of augment what's going on over there, right? You should use this. So similar to what you're talking about with Discord, I think that people should be thinking about what communication tools that they should be utilizing as second channels for their event, meaning back channels. Because, you know, I'm a logistics person. That's 
what I absolutely adore where the rubber meets the road. And when I execute events, it's always focused on communication. Last minute splits it, the split decisions that need to be made. Who is making them and how and why? Is it just verbal? It can't say just verbal anymore. What are you using? Everyone knows my heart is WhatsApp because it's it's easy, it's fast. You don't have to worry about connectivity the way it is. It's expanded, right? But what tool are you putting your team on that can keep that communications going? There's a lot of apps out there and technology that say that they're all-in-ones and there is no all-in-one. It does not exist because it, it's too many things. That's trying to say that tech is perfect and tech is not necessarily perfect. It's something that's going to push you forward. So I think it's how. So just like Discord, um, you can create channels and there are all kinds of things that you can drill down. There's e-commerce, there's all kinds of different things. I think I think as event professionals, we need to figure out and pick a tech that we can drill in and utilize it very well to be able to com communicate as seamless as we possibly can. Those are the technologies that we should be looking at. And, you know, AI is definitely one of them. I don't, but we've already talked about that, but I think that that's the, that's the key because it, it's not going to really matter if you can't communicate. Got it. One final question and I'll turn it to Mandy. Why are you such a fan of WhatsApp? Oh, because it's fast. It's as fast as Twitter. <laughs> your second love. Your second love. It's my second love. Well, because and it's and it's it because it 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 bring it levels the playing field for everyone. So if I have people across the planet and the world, easy yes. to get on. Very simple, clean, easy. I keep all my information in one place. I don't get lost in threads. Or any of those types of things. So for as a second channel, Slack I also utilize, but not a lot of people. It just depends on who is going to allow themselves to get on it. But in terms of being more what I call colloquial tech, if you will, um, I, I I like WhatsApp. There are a few other ones out there that are quote unquote more secure, but um, the the use cases are not as high as you could use it for that. Okay. I like it. Yes, Mandy. I mean, I could keep asking apps and more questions, but the <laughs> balance here. So over to you, Mandy. <laughs> uh, I love WhatsApp too, and Amani's really trying to get me to get on Slack more. So, uh, well, so you may have you may have yeah. taken the sales test. Thank you. Maybe, but Tess, if before Mandy asks a question, if you have because we're like we collaborate on a lot of things and it's starting to grow and get bigger and bigger. We have like our adventures of business live, so we're trying to we have like team members that are helping us. If you have a suggestion for maybe a platform that could be a better for us than Slack, feel free to share that too, because I'm about to get started, but we're open to trying something new also. I'd say Slack because Discord is is too is I love Discord, but you've gotta you gotta train people more. Yeah, they have yeah, to they one. have to have the gamer idea and mindset to be able to convert over. Slack is is it has was more obscure originally and now right. has become more mainstream so i think that and creating your channels private unprivate and all of that and you could manage all and then the connectivity and integrations with all different platforms is very very yeah. key so slack would to me would be perfect okay amani good. make the channel amani oh, i've been waiting it. Got it. You're right. i'm gonna it. inspires me to be more effective with my time because she kills yeah. and I'm you can create channels per event you know you can have yeah basic channels, you know, that you use all the time, and then you can have channels for a fact. I mean, it's endless. 
Oh, okay. a channel per event. Yeah. Okay, gosh. Yeah, right. you know, 30 minutes. Of the Slack. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We're 30 minutes in. She's already dropping so many nuggets. My head's spinning. I love it. I love it. Okay, Tess, I have a, que I have a question um, not related. Well, maybe related to technology. Let's see how this goes. You are self-proclaimed. You don't like to write, which is, is, is totally fine, right? You don't. And how does she know like that, Amani? I know things. I chased the full moon this weekend. I'm really tuned in. <laughs> no, and I'm a moon child. Look at I'm a moon child too. So there you, you go. When's your I birthday? Am. Are you July eighteenth? July eighteenth. Yes, cancer. Are you, are you a cancer too? I'm August 9th. I'm a Leo, but I was oh, raised by hippies. So I know all of this oh, stuff. Yeah, yeah there you go. Stuff. There you go. But anyways, going back to, so you're self-proclaimed, you don't like to write, which I, which I think is so important for us in our career to say, here's what I love. Here's what I don't like. And then you determine what you delegate and you outsource. So I, it's a two-part question. So part one is because it seems that you really know yourself, like you don't like to write. What advice do you have for people that try and just get out there and do it all and they're not listening to their inner voice of what they do like, what they don't like, how to delegate? So that's part one, because I've listened to four or five interviews with you over the weekend where you're like, I don't like to write. I don't like to write. I'm like, she's so definitive about that. And I respect that so much. Um, so first question is like, how do you help people develop their own voice and make their claim? That's my first question. Okay. Um, Mandy, I love you. You are I love you too. I am so excited. <laughs> oh my gosh, you've got the greatest questions. Oh my Lord. So, um, believe me, I was well into my 40s before I could verbalize it. Um, knew it for a long time, fearful of it. Um, and even to this day, I'm 100% clear, and most people won't admit this, that that is probably the only skill on the entire planet where the majority of the people in the world don't respect you over it mm. because they think it's easy. Mm. So most skills Stop. in the world, they're like, you either have it, you don't, you this, you that. Most people on average really think it's, oh, you can do that. Oh, you can write that. You know, it's only one page or it's this, it's that. And if I tell you how debilitating it is for me, it's debilitating for me. And I've had to, it's been a long time for me to be able to actually say that, you know, that's cha a challenge to do that. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to it, it's not simple for me. Like I literally go through more than just straight procrastination. So I need things to be able to help and assist. AI is one of them. Like I can throw my ideas out, it can come back. And I'm like, oh gosh, yes, that's what it, and I move things around, edit, tear it up, do all. And I was like, it's built. That is something that was built for me because audio is my thing. Pen to paper is just not my thing. It was freeing the first time I did it. And I had to learn to put myself in situations where I had people who cared about me to hear me and support me on it. I had yes. other close event professionals who the, to this day will stand up for me and say, oh yeah, she's not going to do that. <laughs> and the moment I heard them say that and I, and, or someone came back to me and told me that they said, you know, in other words, I wasn't in the room and I wasn't a part of that. It was so gratifying because I felt finally free that I could stand in my truth 
and still be respected for it. And people could focus on where my joy, where my passion and what you can get more from me in, as opposed to putting me in situations that were difficult and challenging. So the advice that I can say to others is you have to stand in your truth. If COVID didn't show you anything else, tomorrow is not promised. We have to be happy and we have to leave with joy and that energy radiates out. So in order for me to be my best self, I have to create situations that are beneficial for me and allow me to flourish. And if not, I can't. I can get other people who love to do that to help and assist. I can throw out ideas all all day long. I'm an ideation type of person. So someone has to catch it for me and help pull it together. And I can look at it, edit it, walk through it, give it back to them, have them put it together. And I look at what they put together and then we go from there and iterate. And that that's just how it has to be for me. If it's not, you know, then I just can't. And I have to say no, learn how to say no. So hopefully that's helpful, Mandy. Oh, thank you for asking that. That's so powerful. Love yeah. that. Yeah. Yes. Part two, Mandy, go ahead. Part two. Part two, what tools and resources do you use? It sounds like you use chat GPT. So for people out there that don't like to write, like my husband, it will, I'm a writer. I can write things just fall out of my brains, right? But there's a whole bunch of other stuff I don't like to do and I'm not good at. My husband will sit down. It'll take him like two hours to write an email. He gets, I understand yeah. when you say that it's really difficult for him, but he's really good at a whole bunch of other things. So for people out there that don't like to write, they don't want to write, like what are those resources that they could use that you use? So beyond statute, so I use Otter. I love using Otter because Otter is an audio uh, tool that will translate your audio, your voice over to text immediately. And then it will go into a uh, editable format. So you can have it in Word, Google, Google Docs, text, any of that. And then I can redo it. So any interviews people would ask me questions, send me in questions for interviews for, I'd talk into it, my answers, I'd look at it organize it, send it back to them with the audio so they can hear the inflections in my voice and then see what I've edited for them back to them. So they can have all that copy all they want to, but they can actually hear it and feel it um, from me. So that is another one. Grammarly also saves my entire life. It was the best thing that I could have ever invested in. I've tried some others that became newer since Grammarly and they're great and all, but Grammarly is a little bit more, um, it's baked, right? <laughs> The oven it's already ready out of the oven and, and it's really great and i utilize it across everything so i have the plug-in in all of my browsers i have it in my email it's on my mobile device so it follows me around everywhere i go so those are the ones that um that stand out the most that, that help me um a great deal besides people do you, do you pay for grammarly every year all day every day is the best <laughs> decision yeah that I'm, I cannot live without it. I can wow. not so live you pay, without okay. it. I was just all that I, I have to, to I pay for everything that helps me. I cannot okay. live without it. I pay for Otter. I get my 600 minutes a year. Absolutely. I cannot. I'm in a month. I cannot live without those things. Because Otter for me too, I put it on my phone. I ask people, tell them that I'm going to be doing it. Do you mind? That's how I take my notes. Boom, turn it on. It's on or integrated into Zoom, you know, wherever I need it to be. But I don't, I have to. Because again, remember, those are tools that help my life, mm -hmm. help my stress levels, right? And that's different than someone who just 
you know, just, oh, this is cool. This is nice to use. That's a great app. No, no. That helps my sanity and my peace. See, you just sparked my mind about using, first of all, I probably will. I was just asking someone else to pay for Grammarly. Second, as I'm writing this book, like it's a lot of research, it's a lot of writing, but you can use Otter to like maybe just talk and dictate and that can be a good portion of your it's writing. Done. So to sit down and that. So you don't have to do that. It's done. It's already done. And then you can just edit it, move it around. You can highlight as you're going through. You can upload pictures and videos and content to different areas too as you're thinking through it, you know, as it's as it's recording for you. Absolutely. As it's translating and transcribing for you. Absolutely. Okay. Now, next question is all three of us, this is probably the first time, all three of us are educators. So we all teach in like the college system and all that. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know what message do you have to students, to young professionals who are just about to enter into the industry based on what you've seen, the evolution of the industry up until 2023, middle of the year, what advice would you have for them about entering into our industry? Oh my, you want me to go first? Um, so I, I'm glad <laughs> you, you mentioned yeah, it. Yeah, you're I, the only one. What is it all three? I think you were going for it. People are sick of from us. I think it's great. Um, no, I just finished teaching a class um, in event design at University of North Carolina, Charlotte. So, and it was a wonderful, fabulous experience. I was very happy to do so. Um, and what I saw, even though it was in a continuing ed program, what I saw is people from all backgrounds still interested in our industry people who are out there doing it still industry in, interested in learning how to and thinking they don't necessarily know so two things um one i think it's very important for you to explore all aspects of the industry so if you're able to get internships whether they're paid or not just to learn and know what you want to do so you can figure out do you want to do social events or do you want to do business events just basics mm -hmm. right and then i also think it's very interesting for you to see both sides too like we're venue managers right what's the venue side of things you know what's the supplier side versus the planner side what does that look like what side do you really truly want to be on and i also think it's very um interesting for you to sit up there and say all right well i want to get a student membership for mpi for pcma for ilea for all of the different organizations and test them out to mm. see what and even for from ours national coalition of black meeting professionals to just see what it's like and you know who i can network with and i can ask them a, a whole lot of questions and figure out what i want to do because i think so many students have a um I'm not going to say unrealistic, I think a view, a point of view of our industry, and it can be tunnel as opposed to it's very, very wide. So those are some of the things I, I think that students should, should take a look at. So it's no, I don't think it should be more um, theory. I think you need to touch to feel it, try it out and see what works and keep moving along and, and testing it out. Okay. All right. Follow-up question would be, you mentioned several associations, PCMA, MPI, National Coalition of Black Meeting Planners, HSMAI, ASAE. How has professional associations helped your career personally and professionally? Oh my gosh. Amazingly. Like I mentioned, ACE died from the beginning, A-C-C-E-D-I. I couldn't live without them at all. And my mentor, when I was younger, <laughs> uh, stressed <laughs> to me just that 
as a student, join these organizations. And when I was in college, join these organizations. And these were organizations not necessarily dealing with events because I, I was doing events in college, but still just joining organizations for reasons I didn't even understand at the time. And I just did. But it's helped from a networking perspective. From, And when I say networking, I meant I can go to people to ask them questions who are actually doing the things either I don't know what I want to do or I kind of know and I'm not sure. And I, it's actually provided access. It really demystified a lot of things where I was able to have access to people and, and events and experiences I would not have. So very, very important. And then, like I said, ASTAD helped me um, through my times, right? And then now with the National Coalition of Black Meeting Professionals, I. I'm, I sit on the board, so I'm able to make decisions and hopefully represent our industry in a different type of way so I can give back. Um, been on committees on, on all of the other and other industry um, uh, organizations that I've been a part of, but now I'm actually able to, to, to sit on the board and lead in a different way. So, All right. Great answer. Uh, Mandy, maybe one more from you and then we'll get to some of our favorites and then we'll ask Tess to ask us questions. I love it. I love it. Okay. I have to read my notes for this one because you said something in an interview that I spit my water out and I loved it. I loved it. Uh -oh. it so great. No, uh -oh. so I heard you say I was born from the loins of entrepreneurs <laughs> and and I was born from the loins of coaches and mechanics. And, and, and we learn, we learn so much from our parents. We learn what we don't want to be and do. And then we learn what we oh. do want to be and do. So from of your entrepreneurial parents, what did you learn that you're like, hell no, I'm never doing this. And then oh. what did you learn that you carry with you today and you still engage with? Oh my gosh. Oh, so many. So I'll tell you, uh, the big one of the biggest things is don't work for free. Always get paid. Mm -hmm. Always get paid. I don't care what you do. Always get paid. Amani knows that. Just always get paid. I don't care what it is. Always get paid. Hey, and paid can look yes, P A I D. And <laughs> paid paid can look different in different ways. During COVID, that paid looked like exposure. That paid looked like bartering services that paid, but you have to have a value, but do, do not do anything for free and do not write yourself out of a contract. Meaning if you have an agreement for someone and they say they're going to do it, have a contract and make sure that you're in it for the value that you need to be and, you know, for, for what you're worth. Um, and what was the other part of the question? I'm sorry, Mandy. Well, what another. was that? What you just said, is that something you learned that you would never do? Is that something you oh, learned? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those are those are both yeah. nevers. Those are both okay. nevers. Okay. So um, you saw your then, parents not then, getting paid. Exactly. Exactly. Saying. Yeah, yeah. Got oh, you, oh got plenty you. of times. And and, yeah. and 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 family as well, because I have family who are entrepreneurs as well. Yeah. Just being kind, because I come from a, you know, a kind family and helping people out in, in times of need. Um, and, and it can become too much of that. Right. It can be just come too much. So volunteering is volunteering, but volunteering is not entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. So on the, on the other side, the fabulous things is the is the independence I learned where you could write your own destiny, if you will, and you can dictate how you do what you want to do. And you can have work and play and you can play as hard as you work as well. But you also have to realize that, you know, you have to do 
the work in order to be able to play hard. So I think those are those are the keys. I love that. Are your parents still with us? No, my what dad your... just transitioned in December, my mom in 2016. What are their names? I'm going to make a water toast to them. Hydration. Oh, toast. thank you. Yeah. So Mary and then Mary. last name, same Bismil. And then Calvin is my Calvin senior is my dad. Mary and Calvin, thank you for the cheers. wisdom. Yes, cheers. Thank you yes. for the wisdom, Mary and Calvin. We call on you. Thank you for Tess. Thank you. That's oh, that was a, so that's, sweet. That was that's good a advice. Segue. That's a perfect, great advice too. Perfect segue to now. We'll kind of flip the script and let you, Tess, ask both myself and Mandy mm. each question. You decide who you want to ask first, and then after Ooh. that, we'll have questions and we'll be, we'll be done. Who's well, first? I'm going to look in the audience and see if I see anything. <laughs> if I don't see anything, I'm about to go for it. Okay. I think you should go for it. I think you should go okay. for it. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Mandy. And if you had your fairy dust, right? And you had to throw up that little fairy dust with the wand. Mm -hmm. How would you change the industry? Oh, snap. You know, um, I know how I would change it. it. And you touched on it earlier when you said it. I wanted just to shout because I am with you. I love our industry. I've been at it 25 years, 24 years, but we are behind. It always seems like we are behind. And there's there's a handful of people that are trailblazers. They're on the cutting edge. They know what's next. But for the most part, I feel like we get our industry as a whole. And I, I get like that sometimes, not all the time. Like we get mired in the way things always were done. We get mired in like, this is what my boss taught me. And we don't expand beyond where we can. We put so many limits on ourselves. We put so many, so many of us and other people in boxes. So if I could change one thing about the industry, it would be, Let's look at other industries, how they're doing things, and what can we apply to our industry. The other thing I would change about the industry is just being open to trying new ways of doing things, whether that's a contract clause or the way we negotiate contracts, or whether that's how we collaborate in partnership, vendor to vendor, and we get under the same umbrella together. Like we don't have to be like adversarial competitors. We can be like co-collaborators and co-conspirators. Mm -hmm. So I would just change the mindset of like operating from maybe using an abacus to maybe being a little like, like digitally mathematical. And I, would, I, and I would like operate from a place of instead of fear, limitless and being a little more open. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Thing. Yeah. It's definitely fear-based for industry. Mm -hmm. And sure. can I ask Amani a question to you? Of course, you can ask each question. Uh, any question? Oh gosh, yes. oh gosh. Any I have so many rolling it. I know I'm trying to <laughs> trying to figure out which one I'm gonna do. Okay, so as a black man in our industry, right? It's a yes. little different than the other yeah. experiences because we're full of full of women all over the place, right? So if you had your fairy dust and wand, right, what would you change from your point of view? So you kind of touched on it in terms of I would just want to make the industry more diverse, both in the people that we see in all types of positions, 
um, the people we see that are giving the speeches at conferences, people making decisions, just more diversity. And it's not just African-American, Latin American, Asian, but you know, with all the other different uh, demographics, just make sure they're all properly um, represented consistently. Like it's okay if maybe you know after George Floyd in 2020, okay, you're gonna have a focus on it, but here we are three years later, are you still focused on it? Things like that. Um, I think that would be my first preference or my first wish. And then just uh, kind of as Manny was saying, just be more forward thinking with technology and trying things we're so behind. So she's right. So that would be another one. Um, yeah, that would be my answer to, to that question right there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen, yeah. Bonnie. I agree. Yes. Now, a couple of final questions for me. My first one is I love to ask this question, and Mandy loves it when I ask this question. I do. But if we're going to go back to talk to 21 year old Tess and oh, give her you advice. Said tw- 21 or 12? Which one? 21. <laughs> Bring her back. Call on her. Yes. <laughs> why, why did you want to talk to 12 year old Tess? Well, you know, she's sassier. No, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Can we talk to both? Amani, let's talk to both. We've never, we've never had somebody talk to both. Let's do both. 12 year old to the conversation. You're going to, we're at a coffee shop. I'm sitting down. I see 12 year old test to my left. I see 21 year old test to my right. And you are going to give, and then I have Tess where she is right now to my immediate left. What advice would you give your younger selves based on what oh you're doing? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. So my 12 year old self, oh, I love your questions. So my 12 year old self, I probably, let's see, 12, I'm trying to get my, my grade. So that was probably like sixth or seventh grade. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Okay. And then where was I? I'm still having the same experience. Okay. Okay. Yes. All right. So I would tell her cause she would have just landed in Atlanta. So okay. yes, yeah, so she'd been just brand new in that area. I would tell her, enjoy your seventh grade year and eighth grade year. But when you go to high school, choose that obscure high school that you would have never, that you almost, di- that you didn't go to. Okay. Say, you know what? I went to the other one, but you should have chose the first one because oh. that particular high school, um, well, the, at that time, um, it was called, it's called Paideia. So that particular high school has an intern, like an international feel and flair. Um, mm. They are really, uh, they can explore their curriculum. Their curriculum wasn't quite set. So it was um, you know, a lot of people who have, um, let's just say president's daughters went there and X, mm. Y, and Z, right? But the curriculum was exploratory. And the whole aspect of it is you could find your way, right? You could travel the world. You could do all kinds of things. So I would have told her, go that path so that you'd be more worldly than you are now earlier and then you can go to Spelman. There you go. <laughs> okay. We like it. We like it. Yeah. Um, and then my final question, then I'll turn it over to Mandy to close us out is just, I really going to kind of ask you your question you asked us, which was already on my list in terms of in the industry that we're in mm-hmm. and how it lacks diversity across many fronts. And why do you feel that's the case and what would you do to change it? Um, wow. Really, Amani? Okay. 
You said why? <laughs> okay. That's right. Yes. <laughs> I'll listen. Oh, okay. So, um, okay. So, why do I think that that our industry is not as diverse as it is? I think for a couple of reasons. I think white men have controlled a lot across the planet, um, and control C suites and control and have power and have not allowed their power to be shared. I mean, even now, I mean, you can, like you said, it, it, it was a temporary shift and change. I think it's gotten better. I think this is, and, and, and a caveat to that, at no point in time, and I mentioned this the other day to someone, I said, it's quite interesting and actually refreshing, if you will, is that I hear more white women say to me, can you believe that's an all white male X, Y, and Z? Or they just gave all those awards to white men. Like, like we're just casually talking different places around the world because I went to Europe twice last month and I was in three other cities in, 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 in four other cities in all of May, right? And it happened everywhere I went. I just overheard people or people just talking to me casually saying that. And I think that it's because of fear. If you say why, fear is the bottom line. Um, Fear of change is the bottom line. And then the second part of your question was what can be done to change it? Correct. You got to demystify and you got to, you, you know, it almost goes back to the virtual concierge concept of the holding hands, right? But I think the holding hands means you have to prove to people that it's okay. And we shouldn't have to prove to them that it's okay. We should be at, at the point of saying, okay, this should be done. And then you should already be feel comfortable with this, make the decision and move on. But, you, but until someone actually calls it out and makes people accountable, and when I say accountable, that's not in numbers, that means, oh no, that is five white men who are up here and what's the challenge and problem. And then once it's done, don't leave it out there. Someone has to rattle the fences and, and hold them accountable, literally hold them accountable. So those are the two things. All right. Well said. Uh, Mandy, you want to take us home? Yeah. <laughs> I like I like what Tess is saying about move the pieces around, though. Like yeah. once yeah. once uh, once something is brought to everybody's attention, then then everybody's got to get together and move the pieces around and and make it make it more make everybody have a perspective and a voice. So I love that. That's a great great reminder. Um, I want to know, Tess, how can we support you? You you are an entrepreneur. Oh. You're so involved in the industry. You're so involved out of the industry. How can we support you right now? What are what are a couple things you need help with or you need from anybody listening or us? Oh my gosh, y'all are amazing. People don't ask these questions. <laughs> Thank you. And, 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 and you know why? Um, and 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 I know um, I know we're running out of time and I've run out of time, but the, the biggest thing is is I don't think I think people assume that everyone is okay. Right. Mm -hmm. I think COVID proved that, you know, we are we have humanity, but I think we're slowly forgetting that, you know, people People need help and assistance too, and sometimes it's hard to ask for that. So, what can you do for me? Just make referrals around um, me being able to execute events. I can be a great stage manager. I can be a great host. I can speak pretty well, get people engaged, and and all of those things. And I like to execute and look at things at thirty thousand feet. So that's really what what I would I would ask. Done. Easy peasy. Uh, and you're yeah, in Atlanta. No. You're in Atlanta, right? I am in Atlanta. 
rarely, but yes, that's where my <laughs> home is. Yeah, that's home where is. your that's yeah. where your mail goes. Because your mail goes yeah. to Atlanta. Yes, that's <laughs> okay, it. Okay. My mail comes to Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. All right, we will give you a round of applause and say thank you very much for taking time to spend with us and sharing your expertise and wisdom. So round of applause there. And yes. 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 <laughs> thank you for tuning in to Adventures in Business. Don't forget to rate and review our podcast on the platform that you're currently listening it on. And don't forget to share it with your friends and anybody that might be as much of the business nerds as Amani and I are. See you next time for another captivating interview.